Part six, chapter one of the Manxman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Manxman by Sir Hall Kane. Part six, Man and God. Chapter one. The summer had gone. The gorse had dried up. The herring fishing had ended, and Pete had become poor. His Nicky had done nothing, his last hundred pounds had been spent, and his creditors in scores, quiet as mice until then, were baying about him like bloodhounds. He sold his boat and satisfied everybody, but fell nevertheless to the position of a person of no credit and little consequence. On the lips of the people he descended from Captain Pete to Peter Bridget. When he saluted the rich with how-do, they replied with a stare, a lift of the chin, and you've the odds on me, my good man. To this he replied, with a roll of the head and a peal of laughter, Have I now, but you'll die for all. Ballajora Chapel had been three months rehearsing a children's cantata entitled Under the Palms, and building an arbour of palm branches on a platform for Pete's rugged form to figure in, but Caesar sat there instead. Still Pete had his six thousand pounds in mortgage on Ballawain. Only three other persons knew anything of that, Caesar, who had his own reasons for saying nothing, Peter Christian himself, who was hardly likely to tell, and the high bailiff, who was a bachelor and a miser, and kept all business revelations as sacred as are the secrets of another kind of confessional. When Pete's evil day came, and the world showed no pity, Caesar became afraid. "'I wouldn't sell out, sir,' said he. "'Hold on till Martinmas, anyway. The first half-year's interest is due, then.' There's no knowing what'll happen before that. What's it saying? He shall give his angels charge concerning thee. The old man has had a palatic stroke, they're telling me. Oh, the Lord's mercy endureth forever. Pete began to sell his furniture. He cleared out the parlour as bare as a vault. Time for it, too, he said. I've been wanting the room for a workshop. Martinmas came, and Caesar returned in high feather. No interest, he said. Give him the month's grace and hold hard till it's over. The Lord will provide. Isn't it written, In the world ye shall have tribulation? Things are doing wonderful, though. Last night going home from Ballajora, I saw the corpse lights coming from the big house to Kirk Christ's churchyard, with the parson psalming in front of them. The old man's dying. I've seen his soul. To thy name, O Lord, be all the glory. Pete sold out a second room, and turned the key on it. Mortal cosy and small this big ugly mansion is getting, Nancy, he said. The month's grace allowed by the deed of mortgage expired, and Caesar came to Elm Cottage, rubbing both hands. Turn him out, neck and crop, sir, not a penny left to the man, and six thousand golden pounds paid into his hands seven months ago. But who's wondering at that? There's Ross back again, carrying half a ton of his friends over the island, and lashing out the silver like dust. Your silver, sir, yours. And here's yourself with the world darkening round you terrible. But no fear of you now. The meek shall inherit the earth. Oh, God is opening his word more and more, sir, more and more. There's that black Tom, too. He was talking big a piece back, but this morning he was up before the high bailiff for charming and cheating, and was put away for the Dempster. Lord, keep him from the gallows and hellfire. Oh, it's a refreshing season. It was God speaking to me by providence when I told you to put money on that mortgage. 
What's the scripture saying? For brass I bring thee gold. Turn him out, sir, turn him out. Didn't you tell me that old Ballawain had a palatic stroke, said Pete? I did, but he's a big man. Let him pay his way, said Caesar. Samson was a strong man, and Solomon was a wise one, but they couldn't pay money when they hadn't got it, said Pete. Let him look to his son, then, said Caesar. That's just what he's going to do, said Pete. I'll let him die in his bed, God forgive him. The winter came, and Pete began to think of buying a dandy, which, being smaller than a nicky and of your rig, he could sail of himself, and so earn a living by fishing the cod. To do this he had a further clearing of furniture, thereby reducing the size of the house to three rooms. The feather-bed left his own bedstead, the watch came out of his pocket, and the walls of the hall kitchen gaped and yawned in the places where the pictures had been. "'The bog-bane to the rushy currack, say I, Nancy,' said Pete. "'Not being used to such grandeur, I was taking it hard. Never could remember to wind that watch. And feathers, bless you, don't I remember the little mother with a sickle and a bag going cutting the long grass on the steep bruise for the cow?' and drying a handful for myself for a bed. Sleeping on it? Never slept the like since at all. The result of Pete's first week's fishing was twenty cod and a gigantic ling. He packed the cod in boxes and sent them by crow and the steam packet to the market in Liverpool. The ling he swung on his back over his oilskin jacket and carried it home, the head at his shoulder and the tail dangling at his legs. There, he cried, dropping it on the floor. "'Split it and salt it, and you've breakfasts for a month.' "'When the remittance came from Liverpool, "'it was a postal order for seven and sixpence. "'Never mind,' said Pete. "'We're baiting Dan Hommy anyway. "'The old muff has only made seven and a penny.' "'The weather was rough, the fishing was bad, "'the tackle got broken, "'and Pete began to extol plain living. "'Gosh, bless me,' he said. "'I don't know in the world what's coming to the old island at all.' When I was for a manservant with Caesar, the farming boys were eating potatoes and herrings three times a day. But now? Witcher's mate every dinner-time, if you please. And tay, the girls must be having it regular. And taking no shame with them, neither. My sake, I remember when the mother would be whispering, Keep an eye on the road, boy, while I'm brewing myself a cup of tay. Truth enough, Nancy. An ounce a week and a pound of sugar, and people wondering at the woman for that. The mountains were taken from the people, and they were no longer allowed to cut turf for fuel, coals were dear, the winter was cold, and Pete began to complain of a loss of appetite. "'My teeth must be getting bad, Nancy,' he whined. They were white as milk and faultless as a negro's. "'Don't domesticate my food somehow. What's the odds, though? Can't eat supper at all, and that's some constellation.' Nothing like going to bed hungry, Nancy, if you're wanting to get up with an appetite for breakfast. Then the beautiful drames, woman. Gosh, bless me, the dinners and the feasts and the banquets you're eating in your sleep. Now, if you filled your skin like a high bailiff afore going to bed, ten to one you'd have a bagain riding on your breast the night through, and dream of dying for a drink of water. Oh, sleep's a regular radical good for levelling up, anyway. Christmas approached. Servants boasted of the Christmas boxes they got from their masters, and Pete remembered Nancy. Nancy, said he, they're telling me Lisa Billy Naclay is getting twenty pound per year per annum at her new situation in Douglas. She isn't nothing to yourself at cooking. 
Mustn't let the lil one stand in your way, woman. She's getting a big girl now, and I'll be taking her out in the dandy with me, and tying her down on the low deck there, and giving her a pig's bladder, and she'll be playing away as nice as nice. See? Nancy looked at him, and he dropped his eyes before her. Is it wanting to get done with me, you are, Pete? she said in a quavering voice. There's my black. I can sell it for something. It's never been worn at me since I sat through the service with Granny the Sunday after we got news of Kirry. Well, I'm not a big eater, Pete. Never was. You can clear me of that anyway. A bit of bread and cheese for my dinner when you are out at the fishing, and I'm asking no better. Hold your tongue, woman, cried Pete. Hold your tongue afore you break my heart. I've seen my rich days, and I've seen my poor days. I've tried both, and I'm content. End of part six, chapter one.